Hey, welcome everyone to the North Leeds JITS podcast. Today we are really lucky to be joined by Professor Sebastian Garnier from uh, Gracie Baja Marseille in France. Uh, we've got a lot to talk to him about. He has to te go teach a class uh, in about an hour or so, so um, we've still stolen a little bit of his time and we're going to hear a lot of cool stories, I hope. Um, Professor, I wanted to start off uh, by relaying a thank you message uh, from one of my good friends and Mike's good friends, uh, Jim Munton, who you probably won't remember, but he was a two-strike white belt at the time and uh, training at Gracie Barra Harrogate, uh, as was I, and, and Mike was teaching there as well. And he was visiting Marseille uh, to brush up on his French. And uh, he, obviously being like a two-strike white belt, didn't know much about Gracie Barra at the time, has only been training a little bit. And he, uh, Professor Lewis Matthews at, at Gracie Barra Harrogate said, oh, you're going to go train at GB Marseille. And he hadn't even thought about that was possible. Like for him, Jiu-Jitsu was a little nugget uh, in Harrogate and that was it. And by all accounts, he, he told me the story a couple of times now. When he got to Marseille, he landed there first day, went to go see you guys and was welcomed like a family member. You gave him like a little clap at the start of the class <laughs> and everyone was super friendly to him. And that uh, I, I spoke to him on the phone really, really recently about it. And he said, like, it opened up his mind to what jiu-jitsu was about a community, especially Gracie Baja. And that kind of leads on to probably what I wanted to talk about first. Is that community aspect for Gracie Baja, like, something important to you? Is that, it sounds like it was, like, is, is that a big part of Gracie Baja for you? Yeah, first of all, I would like to thank you all. Uh, thank you guys for uh, inviting me to join here. I'm really always pleased to share, uh, you know, the Gracie Baja experience. And I remember really well, Jim, coming here in the gym. And, and this is the welcoming uh, we always do for family members, you know, people training around the world. And I remember, you know, uh, uh, welcoming him on the, on the mats, you know, and telling him that, you know, this place is like his place. It's like home because that's the way I feel. Whenever, wherever I go train, I, I, I feel really welcome in the Gracie Baja environment. And for me, Every student that's coming in my academy, it doesn't matter the belt, from uh, white to black belt, I try to be the ambassador of Greasy Bar, trying to, to share what's the real Greasy Bar experience. And as you said, and as you mentioned, a lot of uh, white belt or blue belt, sometimes they don't have the um, uh, clear picture of what Greasy Bar means. They start just training Jiu-Jitsu, and you know they have their own experience on the mat. It's some. It's sometimes something that's it's relief for the stress, and they start enjoying the you know the the feeling of of being on the mat, sharing experience, sharing techniques. But they don't have the the whole picture of Guasibara or what it is around the world. And I think, uh, and this is something that I can identify in all the students. Um, whenever you go on an, another academy, another country, and you share this, you know, this greasy bar experience, you're like, man, this is like something I know, right? It's like home. And, and at this particular time, you start realizing how greasy Baja is and how organized it is, how about the, you know, the family spirit, how about everything was created. And I think from this point, you start wondering, uh, you know, how this has been created and you start realizing that it's not it's something that goes real beyond the frontier of my own academy my own city my own country my own continent it's something that's spread all around the world 
and talking, uh, going back to the, the, your question, I think the community is what uh, made Greasy Bar what it is right now. Without, without this sense of community, we would be a random Greasy Bar school. What I'm trying to mean by that is it is really, really hard to create a project, right? start a project, and then see that your project is successful and eventually spread out uh, around the world. Keeping the same energy, keeping the same, uh, you know, um, in Portuguese we say água da fonte. It's like uh, it's 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 the, the the pure water, right? The fountain. Keeping this this feeling, right? It, it it's really a strong exercise. And without without this sense of community, without, without this sense of sharing the pure values of Gracie Barra, this is something that wouldn't happen. Like we wouldn't be here actually, because there is something. Why are you? inviting me to join this live talk because of this sense of community because somehow we defend a shield values that are equals in uk in france brazil uh, you know wherever in the world that is the strongest bond ever you know that makes it goes beyond the the techniques it's something that it's our family it's like you're my cousin tim is my cousin jim is my cousin and we are, you know, this, this sense of uh, community is really, really strong. And this, this is something I try to pass to my students. I think the, the more, it's more important that we create a strong environment where we, you, we can rely on every single member of our community. Like, for example, I need some service. I, I know that I have someone in my community, Gracie Ba, that can, is able to help me. I know that someone is able to make me grow. I know that someone is willing to share his experience. And whenever you are in this, you know, in this mindset, you feel really secure training in this environment. And also this is something that gives you a lot of positive energy. You know, that's one of the reasons why you come back to the academy. It's not because you are trying, you are trying to do a flying armbar, because eventually you will uh, succeed to do a flying armbar. But that feeling that connects with all the students on the mat, this is something stronger than a flying armbar. Because when you're 60 years old, man, there is no more flying armbar. But there is this, this you know, this strong uh, feeling. Like, man, I want to, man, the, the body is stiff from the, the day before, everything hurts. But somehow you want to come, go back to the academy. Because also because of this connection you have on, uh, you know, we, we all know this feeling that when you're on the mats, hey, what's up, what's up, what's up? This energy is so good. And I think this is community. This is, this is the why, the why we are here because you are trying to spread our values inside our community and we want our community to spread. And that's, you know, that's the, the dream of Master Carlos, Gracie Junior. That became our dream, you know, as professors, instructors and, you know, head coach. And, and all the, the members that are, that are uh, following this path of spreading Gracie Bar and spreading Jiu-Jitsu for everyone. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that because uh, we're, we're a brand new school, essentially. Um, not, none of our members have really met each other in person. It's all been online and things like that. And even already in like our team members WhatsApp group, you'll get people, you know, oh, I need a, tra like a tradesman. I need a, 
and you'd like someone doing to move house yeah. does anyone know yeah. anyone who you know i think i think the point i want to pick up a couple of points there professor because you're absolutely right i think we all benefit from this amazing community like around the world and we know that like jim or like your students when they go traveling on holiday wherever studying they can walk into a gracie baja school and feel at home that's that's we all benefit from that but we all also have a responsibility to ensure that's maintained right and when we when we all start to kind of believe in this and play our part then it just grows and already you know our, our members they're already sharing their jiu-jitsu they've never even trained together but they're telling their families they're already positively kind of enthused by it and they're sharing it even more and i think once we all once we all um you know play our part then that's that's when the magic really happens right that's true that's the, the, the there is one thing that i was uh, you know i always I had the chance, you know, to to have a professor that were really strongly connected to Master Carlos Gracie Jr., you know. And there's something that I, I somehow the legacy allows me, you know, and gave me the, the chance, right, to spread this message, right? And the one message that I was spreading yesterday was about ego. And ego is actually the representations one can have about himself, right? So it can be good. You, you need to have ego because otherwise you'll be, you know, uh, you will have a really strong lack of confidence. But you cannot, have, you cannot have a strong ego, like really high ego. Otherwise, you will be only focused on yourself and you will not be uh, uh, able to grow as a man. And whenever you regulate your ego and whenever you start focusing on other, right? And that's actually when your professor and instructor, you're more focusing on helping all the students to grow and your ego is 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 also like you're not focusing on yourself anymore right when i when i wake up i, I don't think I, I obviously i train every day strong i like to train hard the ones who train with me knows but i'm more focusing on man how can i help students to grow how can i help to strengthen the community of gracie bar in marseille how can i help uh to spread jiu-jitsu in France, right? And, you know, maybe you don't know, I also work uh, in the association as the uh, pro uh, project director. And my every day, my, my, you know, my focus is about creating a stronger uh, Gracie Bar community all around Europe, all around the world. You know, this is something, this is now, this is my mission. So that's, this is something that I'm sure that, and as Master Carlos Gracie Jr. say, that if every person on earth would train Jiu-Jitsu, it would be a better place. And I strongly believe that. And this is, uh, this is I think, why our community is so strong, because we, are, are, we created our community on really strong and noble values. This is like we always promote positive values. And that why, that's the why our community is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Because it, it, it's about all about positive attitudes, you know, is helping each other, cooperation, brotherhood, integrity, development. So I think that's the why our community is really strong. And, and, it, and Master Carlos Gracie Jr. always say, this is only the beginning. But Master, we have 100 schools. This is the beginning. Master Carlos, Carlos we have 300 schools now. This is the beginning. And we have 500 now. This is the beginning. We almost reached 1,000. 
And we, he will always say that's the, the only beginning. And that Haney is right. I, will, I would right. like to see the, like the, this community in 50 years, 100 years. Mm. Will be really uh, nice. Profe Professor, were you uh, introduced to martial arts at a young age? Did you grow up in Marseille? Like, um... Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I started martial arts really, really young. I was eight years old and I started, I did so many martial arts. Like I did uh, Aikido, a lot of boxing, a lot of Muay Thai boxing. I did Kung Fu for six years. And eventually, uh, I, you know, I, I, I grew up here in France until I was 19. And then I studied abroad in Spain when I, I got my master's degrees in finance. And I moved to UK. I was, uh, lived in London for almost two years. I lived in uh, Spain for two years, then in Senegal. And then eventually I moved to Angola, like in 2007. 2008, and um, that's where I started jujitsu uh, with the professor uh, Elio Pereira, and 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 then back then jujitsu we were Gracie Baja, but it's not it was not the Gracie Baja we know, you know here first because it's it, it is Angola is really a remote country, so yeah, it was really hard to stay connected with all other schools like in UK or like in, in, in the US, where at that time we had uh, Roger Gracie, Bernardo Stima. And uh, so the growth of Gracie Baja was really, uh, really, really strong. In Angola, it's, it's remote country. The only, I remember the only contact we had at the, with the Gracie Baja uh, was when we used to go to the world, the European. The only, you know, otherwise was we are, we are trying to catch you know, the, the Gracie Bar idea. And then eventually, thanks to the ICP, you know, their certification for professors, we, we started to understand better the why of Gracie Bar, you know, the old concept, old methodology, right? And then I, you know, I always continued to train. I, I thought a lot of classes in the, the academy uh, while I was working on also, and then, uh, I had this dream of uh, leaving from Jiu-Jitsu. I remember from Blue Belts. And I, I remember me being on the, on the beach with my professor. I was like, professor, I will, I will be a black belt and I will open my own academy. And then when I was brown belt, I decided, it, I, I thought it was the, the time, you know, to move back to Europe. And before I opened my academy in, in France, I was to open my academy in, uh, in Portugal, right? My, my wife is from Portugal. And I had this conversation, I called the uh, professor Vitor. And I said, uh, Vitor, I want to open my academy in, in Europe. Where should I go? And, I, remember, and I, I told him, yeah, I would like to go to Portugal. He said, yeah, Portugal is fine. No. Uh, Gracie Bar is already already present there and so on, and I said, uh, but I think it would be a good one to open in France. And I I remember him him being really skeptical about the idea of creating Gracie Bar in France because you know in France uh, it's all really non-profit organization, right? So the, there is this idea that you cannot live from Jiu-Jitsu. <clears throat> And a lot of professors uh, actually 
tried to open a Gracie bar in France and it was really hard to live from Jiu Jitsu. So it was really strong, strong, uh, a tough one for me. So, but I decided, man, let's do this. Let's try and try to show the world we can, if it works in the UK, it works in, in Japan, it works everywhere in the world. Should work in France, one of the uh, top country in Europe, in the world. So I eventually moved back in 2016 and I opened my, my academy. And after three months, we had 130 students. So it was, uh, you know, we, 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 did, we did one thing. We did everything right. That's the thing. I think that was the key of the success. I did not invent anything. I always try to upgrade and apply 100%. Because uh, I strongly believe right now that if you do 90%, 99% right, it's like doing 100% wrong. So just do 100% right. <laughs> and then we did that and it was like whoo, exploding, like a lot of kids. And then uh, after two years, we had uh, more than 200 students, right? Before the pandemics, almost 300 students. So it was really a successful um, project that um, gave me confidence about, uh, about uh, what we have in, into our hands, you know, the, the methodology of Gracie Barra. That it really uh, helps uh, all the professors uh, to live from their passion and keep preserving the, you know, the legacy alive. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot to unpack there that I wanted to ask you about. But firstly, what was it that actually brought you to Angola? Like, like you say, it's a remote country. Yo, it was. I was in. I was in. Uh, I was in uh, London, right? I love you guys. You know, I live UK, but the weather was killing me, and I was <laughs> I was here for more, more more almost a year and a half. Right? I was uh, working in a well, I had uh, managing a restaurant there, and I was like, man, I, every day waking up now it's, because where I live in France, it's is uh, one of the sunniest place in Europe. Right? We have a it's all, really really sunny place. So somehow it really affected me, you know, to to wake up every day with this, you know, uh, this the, the rhythm of London that's really special, right? And uh, this atmosphere, and I was like, man, I I cannot afford it anymore. I want to move move back to France, and I went back to France. And one friend of mine told me, man, I'm in. Uh, he was in. Uh, uh, Ivory Coast, and my company is recruiting for Africa, South Africa. You should go. I was like, man, South Africa should be really good, right? It's a nice country. You can surf and so on. I was like, let's do this. I went to the, I went to the um, recruitment, and the guy said, told me, yes, man, you have a, a great resume, right? This is good. Yeah, we, we're going to hire you. But there is no place anymore in South Africa. Only Angola. I was like, what? <laughs> and in my mind, Angola was like, you know, a civil war. For it's almost 30 years of civil war. And I was like, man, I, I don't know where I'm going to step in, right? But I was like, let's just, let's do this. And I went there. And I remember before I go there, the first thing I was trying to connect is to a martial arts school, right? And especially jiu-jitsu because I wanted to start jiu-jitsu like uh, since I was 15, but in France it was really hard to train. 
and I I found this this Gracie Barra. Then I immediately connected to the to the Gracie Barra. But that's the reason why actually. So right. I was uh, meant to stay only two years, and then yeah. I they extended my contract, and then I got married, and then it was over. <laughs> I got kids. And then 10 years later, I just, we decided, we both decided to move back to Europe. And, and I appreciate it. it was a long time ago now, but do you remember kind of what your first like, experience with jiu-jitsu was? You know, I appreciate yeah. you've had like other martial art experience as well. It's often a, a quite a contrast, isn't it? I really, I remember my first day, like if it was today, right? Yesterday. Uh, I remember me, I called Gracie Barra. It was really hot, like it was, uh, you know, in Angola, it's, it's always hot. And I was, it was like uh, the summer, which was really hot. It was in April, 1st of April. And I went to the academy and I remember my professor welcoming me, like, hey, come, welcome to Gracie Barra. It was not, you know, there was no, uh, no, almost few people were wearing the Gracie Barra gi. Because as, as I said, you know, it was not that organized at that time. It was, it was a time actually when a lot of schools had their own uh, stand, uh, um, upgraded logo, you know, you know, so uh, it was the England version of <laughs> Gracie Barra. But I remember that the, he, he was really welcoming, you know, he gave me uh, a gi to train. And I remember like it was really tough training. It was a competition uh, training. <laughs> and I mean, all those Angolan beasts, I was like, man, I'm <laughs> trying to give my best. It was so hot. I was like drinking so much water. <gasps> and I remember at the end of the class, I was like me in the shower, <sighs> almost dying. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, man, this is really tough. I want to sign up. <laughs> and then that's how it started, right? Then it was really hard at that time to get a kimono. Actually, we only got kimono when uh, someone would travel to the world and uh, he would bring back some uh, kimono and rajgard. And my professor just uh, sold me one, uh, one gi and then I was training every day. Every day I had one gi. I had no washing machine, so I used to clean my gi uh, you know, in hand wash, they asked, you know, my hand where <laughs> it was not like the hand I had was not from training. It was only from cleaning my, my gi. And it was really oh. tough. Like in Angola, sometimes you can uh, stay for, you know, during one week without water. So I had to go to neighbors to, to ask, please, I just need water, not to drink, just to wash my gi. <laughs> Sometimes I would just have water to wash my gi and, and I would go train to train, you know. Uh, I, I was going there every day, there, uh, training every day. So that's how it started. Like mm. when we, in Portuguese, we say uh, it's uh, treino selva. It's like it is tough training. That's how I started jiu-jitsu. <laughs> Your, your professor, uh, Elio, is under Hodger Gracie, right? Yeah, that's true. He's that under Hodger Gracie. Um, and this is, this, this is, uh, this one, it was really a, uh, have really strong memories of uh, the connection we, we, we had with Hodger. I still have strong connection with him because, you know, he's the professor of my professor. 
And um, actually, when I I went to my first European as a white belt, we went to UK in London at Roger's place. We would stay there with my professor. So it was really a strong experience. I only realized, uh, you know, a few days late, years later that, you know, man, Roger was the biggest, like, uh, on earth. So it was like you like you play football and you sleep at uh, Messi's place. <laughs> you see, so it was really, uh, really a strong bond. You know, he, I remember him sharing a lot of uh, about the, um, the Gracie family, you know, how he grew up. And I think he gave me a lot of uh, inspiration to, uh, uh, to keep training, right? Because um, his style, his way of being, his, the way he's calm, the way he's, he, he grew as an athlete, as a man through jiu-jitsu, was really uh, inspiring, actually. It inspired me a lot. And my professor, he, when he was in London, actually, as, as a uh, proper belt and brown belt, he was sleeping with, uh, they were staying in the same place with Rogers, like for three years. Roger uh, was uh, Luciano, uh, Roger's cousin. So he always, you know, talked a lot about the, you know, the, the experience of Jiu-Jitsu with Roger, with uh, Maurice, the Roger's father and Carlinhos. So it was always, I always had since the beginning really the, the privilege to, to understand, uh, you know, because sometimes it's really hard when uh, you train Jiu-Jitsu to be connected with the, somehow with some graces, with the, you know, the, the, the family uh, from where it all started. But I had this privilege since I was, I was white belt. So it is something I share now with my, you know, my students. Amazing. And uh, just before we move on from like the Angola part of uh, your, your journey, tell me a little bit about what the kind of Gracie Baja Angola community was like. Were you all quite, like, quite tight? Like, did you go out and have social events? Was it yeah. similar to how like, Gracie Baja are now? Or? Yeah, now the connection, because you need to understand that the, the, the value we spread through our academy, you know, all around the world, uh, must be connected with the social environment where your place is located. So for example, in Angola, the nature of the people is that they are already really connected, right? Like, because you need to understand a lot of people, they went through civil war for so many years that they reached a point that uh, there was no rich people. Uh, like when the war was going on, everything was sharing the same environment of you know, fear and somehow. So the people are really connected. So we, the social environment is already a friendly environment where, you know, we used to hang out a lot uh, on, you know, on people's place. We go on the beach and then on islands all together. So it was, I remember it was since the beginning, really strong uh, connection with all uh, my peers in, inside and outside the academy. You know, uh, when we used to go to a, uh, Abu Dhabi trial, we would go all like massive, like Angola, is, you, need to con uh, you need to know that this is one, is the, maybe the biggest African country in terms of Jiu-Jitsu. So wherever, it, where, wherever they go for a competition in Middle East and Africa, they are like feared because they beat everyone. <laughs> the Jiu-Jitsu is really strong because my professor is under Roger Gracie. Uh, another professor is, uh, 
Sergio is under Lagarto. So you know that there was uh, the level of jiu-jitsu is coming from uh, really high standards, professors and athletes. So the level they you know they kept this this uh, way of training the you know uh, so the level in Angola is 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 really strong. So wherever they go, like in Abu Dhabi and so on, they are they are known to be really to stick together. And actually, when they go, uh, like in a in a tournament or Abu Dhabi trial, it doesn't matter if you are uh, Roger Gracie, Gracie Barra, whatever. They are all from Angola. Like they will gather all the Angolan, you know, doing some voodoo to win. <laughs> <laughs> And Professor, then, you mentioned you mentioned Sergio there. Is that did Sergio used to be in the UK as well? Is it the same guy, no, Lucio Sergio? Sergio Different no, guy. No, it's not Lucio Sergio. Sergio Vieira. It's another professor. Okay. Yeah, I used to train with him when I yeah. first started jiu-jitsu. He used to come over from Manchester to Leeds before there was a Gracie Baja here, and um, he used to teach some seminars. He's a cool guy. I know a really nice guy. I know him. Like since I'm a white belt, I know him. Was a really uh, close friend of my professor. Ah, sweet. But um, Gracie Bahara, Angola sounds amazing, and I'd love to go visit one day. <laughs> sounds sounds very tough, but uh, sounds like it'd be an yeah. Now, experience. now I would say that uh, obviously, I mean, fortunately, we the fact that we um, the the fact that we migrated, you know, to the Gracie Bahara methodology, the chance we have now to uh, to offer a jujitsu for everyone environment change a little bit the way we train because at that time there was no fundamentals and so on. It was only pohada, training hard. <laughs> now we have, you know, GB1. So you can, you can share the same experience that you would share in, uh, you would have in a, uh, other Gracie Barra school. So, you know, it's, you have tough training, but you have fundamental, you have all the training. We have uh, a lot of kids there. Because at that time, we, the two schools, they had almost uh, 500 students. So it was really big, big schools, like two, two big schools. Do you, do you yeah. feel um, jiu-jitsu has lost anything from those days where it would just be like, go and, and train really hard? Like, I, I, was, I didn't experience it, but... I did, but, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's different. It's different now. I think there's really positives, obviously, of how it's developed and it's opened up to many more people. But certainly when I started jiu-jitsu, it was almost felt a little bit like a secret, like a little secret club. And, you know, you, you had really strong bonds, but with only a few people, right? I think that, and that's, that's my personal point of view, is uh, if you go back then in the 90s, right, the image of jiu-jitsu was not um, that popular as it is right now, right? They were known to be fighters in the streets and so on. So somehow the fact that it's smoothened a little bit helped the promotion of uh, jiu-jitsu. And also we helped uh, welcoming other type of public inside the academy, like women, like kids, because the kids, um, there were not uh, that strong program in, uh, in, uh, in, in the academies for kids and women, right? Hold on one sec, guys. I'm just gonna. No problem. Yeah, certainly when I started, there was something, I there was no kids in the academies, right? Like it was just guys, and it was, as, uh, as the Professor Sebastian said, it was just 
hard training. That's what he was. He was showed a technique at the start of the class and then you would literally just spar for the rest of the class. And I think, you know, reflecting on that, of course, it, it was it was nice at the time. That's all we knew, tough training. But like Professor Sebastian said, you know, the fact it's broadened out a bit now and we get so many different people into the academy can only be a positive thing. Yeah, that's that's what I believe helped the promotion of uh, of jiu-jitsu, right? Because uh, if it was, it was uh, if if jiu-jitsu would have kept the same uh, like tough spirit in training, most probably we wouldn't have any jiu-jitsu for everyone's schools. It won't be jiu-jitsu for few, right? It would be tough train for sure. But I don't think it will be that popular because the way I see here, uh, I see it right now as a professor, as a school owner, right? And uh, like, if you take from 100% of your students, like uh, you don't have 100% of uh, athletes, you don't have 100% of fighters. So you would exclude all the, you know, actually athletes represent really a small part right now of, the, of the, your school audience, right? You would exclude uh, women, the kids, because the kids, it's, it's hard to uh, create uh, a stronger kids environment if you only focused on competition, right? Uh, because we all know that the, the percentage of kids that are willing to compete, you know, strong, it's, it's really little. So somehow I believe that it, this, this was a, a natural uh, development of, um, of the, the sport, right? This martial art. And the fact also that it became more professional, right? To create uh, now a little bit more standardized uh, academy helped also the, for, for the promotion of jiu-jitsu. And I think uh, this is good because uh, right now you can uh, have people living from jiu-jitsu. It was not the case. Uh, like uh, 20 years ago, uh, people would, wouldn't live from jiu-jitsu. They, they would just compete for the love of the, of the heart and but living from jiu-jitsu was really really hard only few people would uh, live like uh, from jiu-jitsu like the people that would live from jiu-jitsu were, were the people that knew jiu-jitsu you know like mont valent gracie academy uh, but otherwise it would be really hard so now you can have uh, so many professors living from jiu-jitsu we have uh, now in the uk almost uh, 83 or 84 academy uh, with professors living from Jiu-Jitsu. So I think this is good, right? Because uh, without that, we wouldn't have uh, people living from Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, and, and speaking of, of kind of making the living from Jiu-Jitsu professor, you mentioned earlier that it was kind of seen as uh, something really hard to do in France because of, I guess, the French people aren't so used to paying more money for a Jiu-Jitsu academy as they would for like Judo because Judo is subsidized yeah. by the government and things like that. Um, tell me a little bit about that journey, about opening up Gracie Baja Marseille. Like, um, how how was the the journey for that? I had the in mind when uh, when I wanted to open my academy. I had this idea that uh, um, if I wanted to leave from Jiu-Jitsu, I would have to do something different that other people are not doing, and doing something different that hard other people are not doing is just creating a Gracie Barra school. Because a lot of people have a Jiu Jitsu school, but they are not opening their school every day. We do. 
of people uh, they only focus on competition we don't like we have competitors we have uh, a lot you know jujitsu for everyone and i think that's um, create also creating a premium school right uh, would be um, i think would be the, the the challenge and uh, that would allow me to leave from 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 jujitsu so I remember when I wanted when I, I I shared this idea of opening a school because I was not to open in France actually, and I met a friend of mine like uh, and he said man why don't you open in Marseille I was like man so I was just doing the the you know the mathematics, and I told him man if I had to open jujitsu school in Marseille it would be at least like sixty five or seventy euros. Uh, other academies at that time there was uh, charging like 30 euros so it was twice it was it, it was like man there is no way people sign up in your academy at this price no way impossible it's too expensive and also you cannot force the people to use the greasy baggy they want to use their own gears i was like man if i want to open and if i decide to open that's the way it will be and and that's what i did Man, I didn't care about what other people uh, were charging because me, I think that we have really strong assets in Gracie Barra. We have, and when you are black belts, like it's like you are a doctor. So sometimes, somehow you need to put values on what you know because it's not everyone that can reach the black belt. And that's a fact. So you have, to, you have to put value on your work, on your knowledge, and you have to put value on the, the fact that your academy is clean twice or three times a day. The, the, the class always starts on time, never late. Always, never cancel one class for five years. I never started late, and uh, the showers are always clean. So some people that uh, want to train in a safe environment, clean environment, I liked the, the fact to socialize with other people while training and sharing this resistant experience. They are willing to pay because they are, you know, that's that those people, they wouldn't train in another academy that don't have all this uh, experience to offer them. And, you know, it was, uh, it was for sure, it was, uh, it was a bet because I didn't know like if it worked or not. And also me, I was working as an expat in Angola. So I, my, I was living really well. My wife engineer also in the oil industry. So deciding to, you know, to change drastically your standard of living, right? To going back to France for almost earning nothing in the beginning was a really tough one. Because you, it's, it's a decision that involves not only yourself and your desire to leave from jiu-jitsu and achieve your dream, but your family, your wife, your, your, your daughter, and so on. So, and somehow I, told my, I remember telling my wife, man, just don't worry, it would work. There is no way that's not working. That's how I told her. But inside myself, I was like, well, it has to work. <laughs> you know, it has yeah. to work. And it was crazy because I was uh, earning a really nice salary in, in Angola, but my, my wage were not uh, in, in, in France. So no banks uh, were, was willing to, uh, to, to do a loan. So I asked my mom, even if I had a lot of money in Angola, to do a loan for me. So it also involved a lot of members of my family that uh, 
uh, you know, fortunately is paid back right now, but uh, is uh, I think um, when you when you know when you know that uh, it's gonna work, when you convince yourself that there is no way you fail, that's that's how you need to wake up, and uh, that's I that's how I had to wake up every day to make it happen and to make it happen in a successful way. So now I can leave from Jiu-Jitsu. Fortunately, you know my wife uh, worked with me, and we have a really strong project to open other uh, open uh, other academies. And uh, now we have a really strong project, even with uh, Victor, to open five academies in Lisbon. So, you know, everything is going right, right? So just uh, as planned. Uh, the only thing is, you never know how long it's gonna take, how much effort you, you will have to provide, but. If you only focus on waking up every day and man, it's gonna work, it's going to work, it's going to work, it's going to work, man, it can only work. Yeah, I can empathize absolutely, Professor, with your story there. Because I mean, I've been through exactly the same journey recently, right? Leaving a career um, and opening and, and exactly borrowing from family to make this happen in a pandemic, but just yeah. believing that it was the right thing to do. You know, I don't get paid from this place, it'd be a long time before I get paid, but. I just believe that what we're doing for our community is the right thing. And, I, you know, passionately deep down, you know, we're, we're pulling people in from the community because they need it right now. And same as you, you knew that you open it up for other people and ultimately in the end, then you will benefit, yeah. right? And who knows where the journey is going to end? I don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't think it will end. <laughs> there is no, because it's, it's too, it's too positive. It's too, man, it's, um, you have a great heart. You have great people, you have a great experience. There is no way it not work. For sure, the pandemic uh, has shaken a lot of us because, but it's not only jujitsu. So that's that's the, the mindset we need to have. Is uh, you could be uh, uh, you could be you know you could think, man, uh, I'm about to give up. Man, man, if you had a restaurant, maybe you would give up. If you had a pastry store, you would have to give up. So everybody is in the same position right now, and that's a lot of people are getting confused because they feel like they made the wrong choice of opening a restaurant, of a school academy. But everyone is now is in the same spots. So just try to be on the wave, right? Because when we are out of this pandemic, man, I believe, I believe for sure you are going to have a really successful project. Because I can see a lot of people are, the demand is really high of uh, Jiu-Jitsu and Gracie Barra. Because now, the, you know, especially, especially in the UK, Gracie Barra is a really well-known organization. And wherever you open, it's people, will benefit from the experience you are providing them. There is no way it's, it's not working. It's, it's, just, uh, it's just that right now we are going through a tough phase. I know you guys, it's even tougher than us because we had at least uh, the chance to open with contact classes and so on. Man, just keep focused because I'm just telling you that, that if you had something, another job, uh, you would have the same, uh, you know, uh, the fears and so on, but at least you are living from, you know, something you like, you love. And just for me, the fact that I wake up and I, and I think that I can change people's life, man, this is, this is priceless. I, I wouldn't, and, and, and I, would, I wouldn't go back to another life where I was uh, earning maybe 10, 10 times more 
because I I I was not uh, waking up with the same satisfaction as a human being, right? Like now I know that I, I focus even less on money, right? Is and, and the satisfaction I get from uh, teaching people, changing their life, you know, spreading good energy, sharing good energy. I mean, this is something I could not, I could not uh, buy, right? And at least I know that I'm doing something I like, I love. And for me, as I said, it's priceless. So, uh, you know, speaking of uh, if you can go back, uh, if, you, if you could go back to, you know, before you opened Gracie Baja Marseille, and give yourself some advice. Is, is there anything you'd have told yourself? I would have opened a bigger space. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone says that. Everyone would say that. Because I remember, you know, I was like, uh, when I opened, I, you know, when, when you, you want to try something, right? It's like when you go to the casino, right? You, you come with $100, but you're like, and I cannot put $100 on the one shot. So it was this feeling. I was like, man, inside, inside me, I know that it will work. But how strong will it work? You know, how profitable would it be so I can live from it and make my family come to France? So I, you know, can. So I was like, let's try to open. Uh, and my school was not like that small. It was 100, uh, 100 in, uh, in square feet would be like uh, 1,800. 1, almost 2,000, right? But then three months later, like the, the, the math was full, like because we had uh, 130 students, right? And I was working by my own, you know, on my own, like, uh, like giving all the class, teaching all the class, almost 35 classes per week. So I had to do everything, like program director, teaching, cleaning, and then, uh, you know. That's those. Uh, that's those. <laughs> I know how that feels, Professor. Yeah, so uh, it would, my journey, like my day would be from nine in the morning until 10, 11 every day. It was like a really tough experience. But I think also my commitment, you know, and uh, the helped the, uh, making it work, you know. So the, that's my advice that it's like some, some, sometimes we... The, Sometimes we, we want to, to change the thing, right? But we, are, we, don't, we don't give the, the big step. It was a big step for sure, but, uh, and I had the chance like uh, the premises just on the side of my, my academy, the landlord was uh, renting the space. So I rented the premises uh, on the side, I broke all the walls and I just doubled my academy. So I was Wait. lucky. So some people would say this is destiny, luck, or whatever you call it. But I think when you put good energy, the things just appear, right? And uh, that's, that's, that's I, I would now, if I open an academy right now, for sure, I, all the academies that I'm opening will be bigger than that, right? And um, we, we just have a, one, uh, um, it's, it is harder here in France to make Gracie Bar bigger because first we are starting from almost point zero, right? Like it's uh, UK 20 years before. So we, now we have three academies, two in Paris and one in Marseille. So when you think about making uh, a set, such a, 
progress, as in the UK with now 180 academies, how long does it take to create a new generation of instructors and professors? A long time, right? And that's, that's the seed we planted here, that it takes time to make it grow. But whenever those seeds start to, to grow, like the, the development really will blast, right? And, and it's tough also because we cannot recruit people from outside because people need to speak French. So, but that's, I think every, every city, every country, every place in the world has its own challenges. And that's ours. For sure. I, I appreciate you're going to need to go soon, Professor, but I've got about two more questions for you. Sure, sure. Um, I saw on your Instagram uh, profile, and I'll, I'll link that into the description here, and, and Gracie Baha Marseille as well, that you put um, martial artists down. And I'm not sure if you agree, I think, you know, just training martial arts doesn't necessarily make you a martial artist. Um, I think it is one of the things you do need to do, but to don't necessarily always um that you could just train for um just because you want to do just when you learn a little bit of self-defense i'd say it probably doesn't make you a martial artist uh but what does that mean to you what, what does being a martial artist mean to you martial artist there's three points that you need to if you go back if you go back to the if you go back to the Bushido in Japan, there is one concept that is really strong. It's called the Shin Gitai, right? The, the Shin is the essence, right? It's the, it's the, the content, right? Then the Gi is, the, is like the driver and the Tai is like uh, the car. So when uh, when you think about it, being a martial artist, there are several things that you need to be committed to respect. First, the art, like the facts you learn one heart, doesn't matter if it's karate, judo, whatever. You need to respect the heart and be committed to learn every day. You cannot stop, stop learning because otherwise you're not uh, an artist anymore, right? You just... Uh, uh, you, you know, just uh, you stop, learn, and you stop to grow. And there is a, a second thing is the gi, is your, the, it's like it's the driver, it's yourself. How much are you willing to respect yourself, respect uh, your body, right? Are you practicing every day? Are you eating well? Are you, you know, uh, uh, working out? Are you, entered, uh, are you respecting your black belts every day? Because it's not only about earning your black belt, you need to honor your black belt, meaning you need to train every day and keep in shape, right? And then the, there is the, the tie, right? It's like it's the, the mind, right? Are you, are you meditating? Are you taking care of your mind? Are you surrounding yourself with positive people? Are you, you know what I'm saying? Is because sometimes you can be tough, like a tough artist. There are tough, tough athletes that are really strong, but are they as developed in their mind that they are in technique? Uh, are they uh, uh, world champ of uh, helping other people? Are they able to meditate? Are, you, are they able to promote positive attitude? Are they 
game changer in their uh, community or are they only focusing on themselves? So I think being a martial artist is all about that. It's not only you going to the academy because this is something anyone can do. But you uh, keeping, you know, this uh, constant learning mindsets, you respecting your mind, respecting others, people, mind and integrity and respecting your body and working out makes you a martial artist. You know, there's a Shin Gitai, right? And oh, um, that's, that's how it is. And uh, there is a, another thing, you know, that in, in, in Japan, we also say Sami Itai. There is the Waza, this is the technique, right? The Chi or the Ki, this is the strength. So it means you working out and the Shin is the spirit. So there are several concepts. If you look back to the Bushido and you're also in Asian culture, right? About the, the triad, this triad of uh, the martial artists, the technique, the body and the mindset. Thank you. Uh, thanks for sharing that, Professor. That was really interesting, actually. Yeah. Um, so so it was really, it's been really nice to speak to you. And um, obviously, Victor had pointed us towards you. And I'm kind of curious where, where eventually this will lead if we just keep asking someone to point us towards somewhere else. So is there anyone in the community that, that you would like us to go out and, and yeah. have a good story? I think, you know, uh, we have a lot of wonderful professors uh, in the Gracie Bar, right? Uh, but I like uh, the professors that are willing to make Gracie Barra bigger. And there is one name that comes to my mind is uh, Professor Pedro Coelho in Portugal. You know, Professor Pedro he has really strong experience of, uh, of uh, helping Gracie Barra to grow. He is in Portugal right now. He works as a regional collaborator. And I, I really like uh, Professor Pedro as a human being because he has a really strong uh, sense of uh, integrity, you know. And, and also he's really devoted to uh, make uh, Gracie Baha uh, bigger, right? So he gives all his energy to make it, uh, uh, make it happen in Portugal. And I really think that he, will, he would have an amazing story to, to share. He's in, inside Gracie Bar for many years right now, black belt, second degree. And I think if you guys uh, do an interview with him, you will definitely appreciate what he has to share with you. Excellent. Well, uh, I'll get your details off of him, his Instagram or something. I'll love to get in touch and see if we can get him on the show. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, sure. No problem. I think he is... He, is always willing to share. Excellent. And if he say no, tell me, I will fuck <laughs> <knock> his head. <laughs> Roger. Um, well, Professor, you know, if, if we were allowed to travel this summer out of the UK, I'd love to come uh, visit you in Marseille and, and maybe Jim would like to come too. I don't know, maybe make a bit of a trip of it. When I say my place is your place, I really mean it. It's like uh, I feel, it's like it's, it's not uh, like I'm, um, I'm forced to be nice. It's like I feel entitled to receive all the Gracie Barra members in my city, in my school, even in my place, because a lot of them sometimes they say, hey, I'm coming to Marseille, I'm from the United States, uh, I would like to train. Man, come, if you like to train, just stay to my place. You stay one night, tonight, we go, we train together, I show you the city, and this is uh, 
how I like to do because uh, I, it's just something I like to, you know, to welcome people like that. Because uh, I just remember the, the feeling when I used to go to LA, you know, staying at people's place, professor's place, and the way I would be welcomed. And uh, I think this is my payback. So every time you come, you are more than welcome. You, you will have a, a place to stay for sure. You will have a place to, to train and you will have a place to share really good energy and vibe. And likewise to yourself, Professor, as well, and your students, you know, if they're ever over here in Leeds, then they should, they should come and knock on our door. They'd be welcome as well. I appreciate soon, that. Soon, 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 my friend. We'll be soon together, so. training hard. Just keep training because here... We are training hard. <laughs> Roger that. Do a lot of bar feet. <laughs> we don't stop here. Amazing. Then, anyway, thanks a lot for your, for inviting me. I'm always pleased. You. I you know I could speak for hours and hours about greasy Barra. This is this, this something uh, I drink, I eat, uh, and uh, but I'm I was really pleased to meet you guys to share with you, and anytime you want. Uh, to organize another event, I'm, I will be honored to share with you uh, this, this, this moment, right? That'd be great. I, I hope we can maybe uh, even do one of these in person one day. <laughs> no, no, for sure, for sure. Excellent. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Professor. Thank Take you. care. Thank you. Bye. Bye.